This is the Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. It is the dugout. All Mariners from 1 to 2 today. We're starting it just like we do every single Tuesday with the Scott Service Show. The Skip joins us now. Scott, uh, first of all, congratulations taking 3 of 4 from the Guardians. I know you guys would probably like to get back out there and get Saturday back, but it was just a great series from you guys. How are you feeling after that one? It was an awesome weekend uh, in Seattle. Uh, I was really excited. Obviously, the the fan support, the, the kind of the, the crowd, they filled up the, the stadium, you know, all weekend, certainly with the Ichiro weekend and the announcement of, of Julio's new contract. It was a buzz around the ballpark, and I was glad that uh, our team stepped up. I thought we played a really good series against a, against a quality team, and uh, we continue to really pitch well, man. Our, our pitching has just been awesome. Scott, I was at the game on Sunday, and I'm sitting with the crowd, and everyone is just rooting Ty on. Like, come on, Ty, you can get through this. He hits a single, then he goes yard. Um, what was it like for the guys in the dugout to kind of see your all-star get out of this slump and perform for you? Uh, it's, it's exciting. I mean, we all know what Ty means to our offense. And, you know, he was our most productive player, consistent player through the first half of the season. So, um, hopefully, uh, he is trending the right direction. That's the, the verbiage that Julio likes to use. He lets me know when he's trending. So hopefully, <laughs> Ty is trending uh, right now. And, and uh, he's so important to our offense. And, and great to see him swing the bat the way he's done Sunday. Are you mostly excited to see him swing the bat the way he was uh, because then you get fewer questions about how Ty Francis? <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the job, Steve. <laughs> well, you're very gracious with it. So. I understand. I understand. Uh, speaking of Julio, how about him hitting a home run in his first game out there after signing that contract? I mean, what did it feel like for you guys to be able to lock him down for the next, I mean, decade plus at least here in Seattle? Oh, it, it's great for the the city, our fan base, certainly the organization, and. Uh, I made a comment to, to John Stanton uh, the day that I found out that this deal was going to happen is probably one of the, I think it's one of the, the, the biggest days in the history of the Mariners organization. You know, anytime you can take a player that you scout and you're able to sign him and then develop him and then get to the big leagues and know he's got that kind of, you know, ability and possible star power down the road, but then able to lock that player in, that is a win-win for the organization and everybody that's ever touched that player. So, um, we're excited about it. Julio is the most excited about it, as he should be. <laughs> but uh, it, it's you know he's, he's a tremendous player. He's a great person, and uh, you know if you think about you know how you would have handled that probably the weeks leading up to that, you know there's a lot on your mind. You know even being 21 years old, wow, this could change my my entire life, my family's life, everything else. So uh, I'm excited that it's done. Uh, hopefully it's behind him and he can get back to playing baseball and doing what he loves to do. Scott, we saw something we're not used to this weekend. Munoz struggled a little bit, and I'm telling my boys, I'm like, look, man, if anyone can have a bad day, it's that kid. He's been so great for this ball club throughout the season. Um, mentally, how did, how did he handle that situation? He handled it uh, about as good as he can. Um, he has been just awesome for us, and no matter what position or situation that we put him in. And, you know, he had one of those those games where, you know, in talking to him after the game, uh, he was in a really good state of mind. He's like, hey, I, I thought I had the one guy struck out, the other guy blooped the single in, and then maybe one of the best hitters in the league 
you know, hits a ground ball down the third baseline that, you know, we didn't have a guy standing there and it happened. So, um, you know, Andres is going to be a huge part for us, uh, our bullpen down the stretch. Um, he's helped us get us to the point we're at right now. And I love his stuff. I love his mentality when he takes the mound and got a ton of confidence. It's going to happen once in a while. Uh, I know people really get tired of me saying it. It's just baseball. You can't control it. You know, once the ball leaves your hand, you make your pitch. Um, you know, you hope you get the defenders in the right spot and they make plays, but they found some holes and it happens. Uh, what do you make of the uh, Los Bomberos intro? You a fan? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think it's it's great. I'm, right. I'm really excited that <laughs> our bullpen gets recognized, um, and it should be recognized. It has been an integral part of our team, not just this year, but all the wins we had last year. Those guys have been so consistent. Um, it's a really cohesive unit down there, so to see they put that name on them with the sirens when those guys come in, I think it's great. Scott, um, we check the standings and the stats every single day. Do you do you not pay attention to that? I would assume that you know you're you're one day, one game at a time. Do you get that information? Do you look at it? What's your approach with all that? I uh, really, I mean, I, I certainly you know um, understand where we're at at this point in the season, but really try not to get caught up in it. I <laughs> I said this uh, a bunch uh, before we started the last home stand, and you can only play one game today. And you can't get too far down the road and you can't get, you, know, you can't buy wins in bulk. You can't play games in bulk. That's the beauty of baseball. It's just one per day. And you know, I made the comment, you know, we're not Costco. We can't go get them in bulk. Um, it seemed fitting from where we're at in Seattle, but I love Costco, but that's not how baseball works. <laughs> it's a day at a time. It's a game at a time. And I, our team knows that too, because things change so quickly in our game. You know, you need players to stay healthy, keep them performing. Um, and we've got a lot of exciting baseball yet ahead of us, so really try to take it a day at a time. Uh, are we going to see Matthew Boyd out here against Detroit? Uh, there's a, a good possibility uh, that you could. Um, you know, we expand rosters here on September 1st, and you know we'll be adding one pitcher and, and one position player at that point. Um, he's really excited to get out there and pitch uh, for the hometown team. He's been a huge Mariners fan his whole career, and certainly having played here in Detroit, uh, for almost all of his career, uh, I know he'd love to get out there and, and pitch against his old team. But we'll see. We'll see what lies ahead of us here. But yeah, we can add that that extra pitcher on the first of September. Scott, how difficult is travel during this time of the year? When I played, we'd go to the East Coast and for one game, and we just fall apart. You know, you guys are what three quarters of the way through the season. Now you're in Detroit. Is there something you do um, differently during this time of the season to help with the travel, or do you just have a plan that you stick to? Well, anytime we can, you know, uh, we had an off day yesterday, but we flew out Sunday night. So we try to get on the East Coast. So you can try to get adjusted to the, the time zone change since we're going to be on East Coast time for the for the you know, whole week. So hopefully, you know, the off day helps um, guys do that and kind of get their internal clock reset a little bit. Um, you know, this time of year, like there's always the, you know, the, the, the drag a little bit of, you know, the season and, and how your body's reacting and responding the day after games and, you know, I think it's really important from the seat that I sit in, understanding that you need to give guys days off this time of year. And I know it's hard. Oh, I can't give this guy a day off. Or I can't believe this guy just had a day off. There's a lot that plays into that. So you have to be really perceptive and on top of that. And the players are always going to tell me they're fine. <laughs> you know, I think you kind of have to look at, at how they're, they're moving around on the field um, and, and what it looks like. But I like our roster and the versatility we have within our roster now. So it does allow me to give some guys a day off. And, and that's what we're going to have to be really on top of here as, as we get going in the last month of the season. 
I wanted to go back just a, a couple days. JP really upset uh, with one of his at-bats in that Guardians uh, series. I'm sure you already know which one. It looked like he should have been walked, and instead uh, he's uh, he's rung up there and, uh, and looked very, very frustrated, seemed very frustrated entering the dugout. When you get a guy who, you know, he feels like he's just either not hitting or he knows he should be out there and he's just feeling like he's getting unlucky, do you let him process that himself? Do you let the teammates talk to him or do you ever have like a heart-to-heart with one of those guys? Uh, there's times you have to step in and, and talk to players about, you know, what they can control and what they can't control. I think uh, depends how much experience that player has. Um, all players handle it differently. Some guys are very internal. Um, other guys are will let their emotions <laughs> kind of come out and get the best of them. Um, I think the the guys that have been in the league for a while, which JP has, and understanding it's okay to blow off some steam. But when you go back out on the field to play defense, you know you never let that you know weigh into the other side of the game at all. But there's times I, I think you know you're going to have those games where umpires have bad games as well, and things aren't going your way, and you feel like the whole world's against you <laughs> and you know, it, it does get a little demoralizing. You can't let it overtake, um, you know, what's going on, you know, and, and spread into other players on the team and, and things like that. Because all before you know it, you're playing the game against the umpire instead of playing the game against the other team. <laughs> and, you know, we cannot control some of those things. So you have to let them go best you can. Uh, it can be frustrating. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen throughout the course of the year. It all goes back to, you know, how you respond in those moments will usually dictate what the next outcome is going to be. And, and I, I truly subscribe to that. It helped me as a player. I uh, didn't figure it out until later in my career because as a young player, you, you do get a little bit wound up about it. But, you know, how you respond in that moment will really dictate what happens down the road. How was it as a skipper when you when you get mad? Are you strategic? Are you like, all right, I'm about to get tossed from this game. All right, my boys <laughs> need something worth? right now. I'm going to go out there and, and give them a piece of my mind. Or do you kind of just react kind of like how the players do? No, I, I guess I probably react more than I'm strategic. <laughs> um, there there are times, uh, moments that, you know, it's, it's, it's not beneficial for the manager to get thrown out. <laughs> you know, you're in the uh, you know, tight games, whatever. There's a lot of decisions coming down the road here. Um, you know, even the games that I do get thrown out, I still try to help out best I can from the background, uh, which I don't know if you're supposed to do or not, but I think most guys do. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's probably more get caught up in the moment than it actually is strategic, I guess, from my end. Do you, are you quite different as a, a skipper than you were as a player? Um, Maybe temperament-wise, personality-wise, like, Good do you question. feel like probably not that that different? Um, I, I will say, you know, spending you know, my whole career as a catcher, you know, there's relationships with pitchers, and it's such a big part of the game. And you know, there's certain pitchers that you just everything is easy. You, you click with that guy, you call a good game, he trusts you. Then there's other pitchers that it's not so easy. They don't trust you, and you get frustrated. And maybe you, you lose your cool with them once in a while in the course of the season or whatnot because they're always shaking you off. I mean, I guess my demeanor uh, as a manager probably pretty similar to it was as a as a player. I, I um, probably a little bit calmer as a manager, um, and, and years in the game will do that to you because you you have you see so many things over time. And the one thing I have learned is you know no matter how bad things could be or how good they're going, you're, it's only a moment in time. 
the one thing about baseball, things never stay the same. <laughs> they always get a little bit better or maybe a little bit worse uh, on a day-to-day basis. So uh, uh, I, I'm probably a little bit calmer now than I was as a player. How exciting is it for you guys to be in the position that you're in right now? Obviously, at the beginning of the season, you have all these goals. Um, and to be in the hunt right now has to be rewarding. It, it is. I think you know we've, we've earned the right uh, by, by how we've played and you know, overcoming some adversity throughout the course of the season, you know, dealing with injuries, which all teams have to deal with. But um, I, I think coming into the season, everybody felt we had the type of team that could be in the position we're in right now. And that's all we're really in is we're just in a position. We haven't done anything yet. We haven't accomplished anything yet. Um, it'll be really important. We continue to, to stay together and, and hopefully stay healthy here through the remaining 30-some games we have left to play. Um, and I think the biggest thing is best you can. I'm trying to enjoy it. And it, it's hard. If it's, ah, it's so stressful. You guys play. I really am enjoying it. And I like the close games. I, I like where our team is at and how we compete uh, in those games. And I think those are the things that, that I look forward to coming to the ballpark every day. Yeah, do I want to win every game? Absolutely. Uh, I'm just as competitive as any of our players. But uh, understanding that, you know, the, the fun of it and, and seeing how our fan base has reacted and how they're behind it and just seeing what baseball, where baseball is at right now in the city of Seattle and knowing that we've had a big <laughs> part in that based on our team and the personality of our players, I enjoy that. Uh, I say all that, and we still haven't accomplished anything. we got a lot of big baseball ahead of us, and it's something that our team is really looking forward to. All right, well, speaking of, last question here with Scott Service for the Scott Service Show. Uh, we are allowed to look at the rest of the season and try to you know, project which wins we think that the Mariners are going to be able to get. You oh, like gosh. to just focus on a series and a game at a time. So tell us yeah. a bit about what you guys are expecting with Detroit, and especially you know, if there's a challenge or two that you think this team presents, because I feel like I'm sure I'm not giving them enough credit for this. It would be interesting to have the perspective of the skip on this one. Yeah, this, this series here, to be honest, coming into this one, um, you know, we haven't played them all year long. Um, they do have some, a lot of players that we've never seen before. They have some young guys they've called up. Uh, they swing the bats pretty well. Certainly the top of their lineup is very capable, uh, you know, doing some things there. I think, you know, pitching wise, um, they're sexy starting, you know, uh, young right-hander Knight Manning, but they got Rodriguez, the left-handed free agent they signed from Boston who pitched the last game in the series. So, um, you know, on paper, their record, obviously, it's a disappointing season for the Tigers, but uh, they can beat you, just like we found out anybody can beat anybody uh, on any given night uh, in this league. So uh, we're going to have to play well. We've got to defend really well. Um, one thing when you come in and play the Tigers in this ballpark, the outfield here is huge. Um, so outfield defense becomes important in this series. You've got to make the plays behind our pitching, and you know, hopefully we'll be in a good spot. But coming off an off day, uh, you know, our bullpen guys will be rested and we'll be ready to go tonight. But I'm always a little uh, anxious coming into these series. Is this, You just don't know that much about some of these young players. You haven't seen them enough. So you're watching video, you're looking at scouting reports and trying to come up with a game plan going into tonight. All right. He is the manager. Scott Service joins us every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. for the Scott Service Show. Uh, Skip, good luck on the road trip, man. We're rooting for you back home. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you, too. And that was the Scott Service Show presented by Pizza Hut with support from Mazda of Everett. All right. Uh, I have the Mariners lineup for today, a roster move that happened a little earlier today. We will revisit and a very cool anniversary. Uh, that news coming courtesy Brandon Gustafson here with Seattle Sports. So. 
first things first. Uh, Mariners roster move earlier today. You guys heard uh, about this already. In case you missed it, Abraham Toro has been recalled from AAA Tacoma. Dylan Moore has been placed on the 10-day IL with a right oblique strain. That is retroactive to August 29th. Also, the uh, lineup for today is out, and there is no J.P. Crawford. Yeah, Adam Frazier in at shortstop today. In order, Rodriguez, Winker, Hanniger, Suarez, France, Santana, your DH, Frazier, Raleigh, Toro, George Kirby on the mound. Any quick reaction to any of that news uh, or to JP not being in the lineup today, man, before uh, before I get to this very cool anniversary? Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate about JP. Um, you want to see him healthy and getting ready to go. Adam Frazier getting his second start at shortstop. We'll see how that works there. But what we've seen about this Mariners team is that you can put anybody anywhere and they're going to find a way to get it done. So yeah. if we were playing a different team other than the Tigers, a team that they should take care of. Maybe there'll be a bit more concern, but I'm all right. I'm feeling okay. All right. Now let me get to the anniversary. Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. Two years ago today, August 30th, 2020, that is, the Mariners made a deal with the Padres, acquiring Ty France, Andres Munoz, Taylor Trammell, and Luis Torrens for Austin Nola, Austin Adams, and Dan Altavia. Altavia. <laughs> uh, and uh, the reason I bring it up, Alta Villa is um, that in hindsight, you can see the impact that France and Munoz continue to have on your roster that Taylor Trammell has had on your roster, just waiting for him to kind of get back from his rehab assignment. Um, and, you know, Luis Torrens, obviously not with your big league club right now um, and has presumably, you know, gotten further down in the depth chart at catcher, not being able to uh, kind of keep the pop with his bat. And so it, really lost some of the upper hand that he had there. Raleigh, obviously, coming on, changed a lot of that. But for all the criticism I've had of some of the moves from this organization, what a trade there in hindsight, two years later, looking back. Yeah, it looks good. I mean, in the moment, there are always going to be concerns and critiques, right? That's what people do. That's part of this business. But as you let this thing play out, it seems like they made a good move. And I mean, Cal has just been awesome, especially with how he struggled earlier this year, the way that he's bounced back. He took an opportunity. Murphy gets banged up. Okay, Mm -hmm. he's going to be the everyday starter now. I don't know if he's still leading, but at one point he was leading all catchers when it comes to home runs. I mean, the dumper has been a a great addition. (laughs) I I can't hear the dumper (laughs) or big dumper and not laugh. Yeah, but you see him, it makes sense, though. He's he's a a big dumper. I'm just imagining it in a much more formal setting, like it's playoff baseball, and it's Cal Raleigh. Big dumper up to bat. <laughs> Just, it's hilarious. It's a hilarious yeah, nickname. It's a good nickname. Uh, no, it is very, very cool to look back at uh, Ty France and Luis Torrens at the time were like bench players for the Padres. Yeah. And Ty France, uh, Curtis, do you remember? He was like a late, 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 late round draft he pick. Was like a 35th like round. Some, like 35th, 37th round, something like that. Yeah. Uh, he was stuck behind Eric Hosmer in San Diego at right. first base. Uh, let's see here, 34th round, Ty France. And the Mariners basically traded for him because they were like, look, this guy's stuck. We need help. And France wasn't even the first baseman when they traded for Mm -hmm. him. He was the third baseman, uh, could play some second, could play some first, didn't really have a spot. And, I mean, just to see what he has become in his, you know, three seasons now with the Mariners, I mean, he has been just an absolute revelation. And, I mean, that would have been a, a huge trade just by getting Ty France in a Mariners uniform. But the fact that you now have 
maybe the hottest reliever in in the American League over the course of the last couple months in Andres Munoz in that trade. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe Taylor Trammell might give you something if he gets called up over the season's last month. I mean, he he gave you something earlier this year filling in for, for guys uh, who are injured. I mean, that has been one of the master strokes of Jerry DePoto's tenure as general manager here in Seattle. I, I think earlier in DePoto's tenure here in Seattle, everybody looked at the Robinson Cano, Jared Kelnick trade as maybe his best move, which did give them a lot more financial flexibility. But if you're looking for what uh, a trade that has produced on the field at the major league level, it yeah. is this one. Because I hate to say it, the Cano trade has not worked out at the major league level yet. It did give you a lot of fl- financial flexibility, but Jared Kelnick hasn't panned out. Uh, whereas Ty France has panned out. Andres Munoz has panned out. You know, Maybe there's something there with Trammell. Last year, Terenz gave you good at-bats. This year, not so much. But this one has far and away exceeded any kind of expectation. Terenz still an important part of a win this year, by the way. That's true. Nice Had walk-off. the walk-off. Had nice the only walk-off. RBI. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was a wild game. Um, but... Also, correct me if I'm wrong, at the time, wasn't it seen as like the Taylor Trammell trade because he was such a highly ranked prospect and France and Terence were like, oh, and also these two guys who are pretty good. But it was like Taylor Trammell was the headliner. At the time was, uh, I believe the year prior was a top 20 prospect in all of baseball. So everybody's like, oh my gosh, like you're getting this guy in the trade. And then turned out to be the Ty France trade. And then maybe in a couple of years, it turns into the Andres Munoz trade. I think that that's I think that's the sign of a good trade is that you don't know who the the top piece back was. All right, let's see what's on tap. Powered by Madden Industrial Craftsmen, the Mariners take on the Tigers today. Pre-game show starts at 3 p.m. First pitch is at 4:10 p.m. on your home for the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. You are listening to the Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith joins next for a preview of Detroit and Seattle. Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. And Aaron, we just went over the lineup for the Mariners today against the Tigers. No J.P. Crawford. What's the latest uh, with J.P. and how are you feeling about Adam Frazier in there at shortstop? Yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully J.P. is all right. Obviously, that, that peck is uh, something's going on there to keep him out of the lineup. Oh, you know, Frazier, I don't think that uh, uh, Scott would want... Frazier in there every day at shortstop. Uh, but, you know, you spell him for a day. That's certainly possible. Dylan Moore, unfortunately, going on the injured list today. That is uh, not a good development. Otherwise, you imagine probably would be Dylan Moore there who uh, can play a, a serviceable shortstop in a pinch. We've seen that before. So uh, hopefully everything is, is okay uh, long-term for JP and short-term for that matter. Aaron, Mitch Hanniger has come back and been the glue to hold this team together you think he can keep this thing up and then do you think service and the guys were banking on him coming back and being the bat that they needed this uh, second half of the season I guess nothing should surprise us anymore with Mitch Hanniger. I was looking at the numbers today. He's rolling out there a hard hit rate of over 50% since coming off the injured list. You know, a lot of guys uh, have a hard time squaring it up that often uh, when they've been helpful, uh, let alone what Mitch has gone through this year. But he's he's remarkable how he can do this. Uh, Unfortunately, we've seen him miss some time over the years. And when he comes back, he comes back and looks like he hasn't missed a beat. He... He has been what they need. I, I know uh, I've talked about it probably on, on your guys' show before when Mitch was out, just how how difficult of a put Mitch Hanniger in to say that not only do the Mariners need him to come back, but uh, 
in a more difficult sense, they need him to come back and be a Silver Slugger Award winning caliber player, which is basically what he's been since he came off the injured list in early August. But again, I guess it shouldn't surprise us. This is Mitch Hanniger. When he is healthy, he is one of the most dangerous bats in the middle of any order in the American League, and the Mariners certainly need that, and he's been every bit of that and more since he's come off the injured list. A huge part of their offense this year, obviously Ty France, he's been in a slump. Uh, We've all been assured it's not injury it's just a slump it just happens but it sure was nice Aaron to see him finally get a pair of hits the other day wasn't it yeah I think the the hug to Christopher Negron Mariners first base coach probably indicated uh <laughs> right, I mean you relieved. think about it you know I, I I'm I don't typically track a lot of offers unless it starts getting into that over 20 range I mean offers happen to everybody no matter how, how good of a hitter you are in this game uh, but an 0 for 20 for Ty France probably feels more like an 0 for 30 uh, for a lot of guys, or maybe who knows, an 0 for 40, depending on what caliber player you're talking about. So an 0 for 20 for an all-star hitter like Ty France, and, and an all-star hitter that really is driven on contact. Right? We don't talk about batting average a lot anymore. Uh, there are other stats that probably are a greater tell for the caliber of a player that one is. But for a guy who is driven by making contact, quality regular contact in Ty France. I mean, the, the average is is a big part of his game. Uh, he, he has power. We know that. But he sprays the ball. He makes contact. That is how Ty France gets on base. That is why he is such an integral part of this lineup. So with that in mind, an 0 for 20 for Ty France really, I mean, it feels like the dark side of the moon for Ty probably. So, uh, yes, he has claimed he is healthy. Scott has claimed he is healthy. Everyone is human. You know, like Andres Munoz gives up a run every once in a while. Now, Ty France has an offer every once in a while. Uh, even the best players, it happens. It has happened to Ty. Hopefully, uh, the, the base hit. And then, I mean, a really kind of a not normal Ty France home run. Like, he's not really a moonshot skyscraping home run type of guy uh, but that's what we saw the other day uh, and who knows uh, maybe a couple of those swings get him locked back in he gets that feeling back and and all of a sudden he starts to get on the path to being the tie france of old which would be perfect timing for the mariners We've been trying to figure out who we would roll with uh, once the Mariners knock on wood get into the playoffs in a three-man rotation. Should it be Logan Gilbert, who struggled a bit, or George, George Kirby, who's shown, all right, he's, uh, he's hot right now. Who would you ride with? Well, both guys have had uh, great success uh, during various times of the season this year. And, and both guys kind of have, um, I think, similar, uh, similar strengths and yet kind of go about it differently. Um, you know, what we've seen from Kirby in terms of his strike-throwing ability has been phenomenal. I mean, there's, it's been historic, like we saw in his last start when he opened the game with 24 consecutive strikes. It's never been done in the history of uh, the pitch-tracking era since we started looking at these things back in the late 80s. Uh, there's no starting pitcher who is in the strike zone more than George Kirby. I mean, true. I mean, no pitcher, no starting pitcher fills up the strike zone at a higher rate than George Kirby. He can manipulate the ball to a level that, that few starting pitchers, regardless of your service time, can do. You know, for Logan, he goes about it in a kind of a different way. I mean, both guys are, have had dominant stuff. That's, what, that's why they are similar at times this year. But they do go about it differently. You know, for Logan... He will fill up the strike zone when he's on, but it isn't this type of, I set my glove here and you hit my glove, like it is with George Kirby. For Gilbert, it's more, I'm going to set up in the middle of the plate and just let your stuff be alive in the box, be alive in the zone, that is, and get the swings and misses that way. Um, when when Gilbert has been, has been really good, and we saw that particularly in the first half of the season, he has... 
this thing about him, right? I mean, he's all arms and all legs, and he's got the hair, and he's letting go of the ball 10 feet from home plate, and it's 99 miles an hour. I mean, it's it's unique. It's really unique, and we've seen that uh, bear fruit in some of his, in many of his starts this year. So, uh, you know, both guys are young. Kirby's obviously younger. Uh, both guys have had dominant stretches this year, uh, so that's where they're similar. Where they are kind of uh, different from one another is, in some ways, the way they go about it. It's a good problem for Scott to have, obviously. you got two young guys who have got some pretty nasty stuff, and, and we've seen it over the course of the whole season. Hey, Aaron, uh, before the dugout uh, today, Bump and I made a wager that was um, not a wise one on my part, uh, that being that the Mariners would be able to uh, score five or more runs in each of these three games uh, against Detroit. As part of the preview here of the Tigers, how, how bad an idea was that, or do I have some hope here? Scoring five runs in every game against the Tigers? It was going to be three, but Curtis said that was boring. Oh, three is very boring. I mean, three is... <laughs> See, I mean, I'm, three, if you score... I'm not crazy I mean, be, here, Stacey. Yeah, that'd be... I mean, that'd be below I had to make it five. It had to be five to be exciting. I mean, I agree. Five is, um, you know, since you can't score half a run, which, who knows, you know, maybe one day. <laughs> four um, and a half here. Yeah, if, you, if four and a half would be a great number, but, uh, I mean, it, certainly, you could go... You can go three straight games scoring five plus. It could happen. I don't think that's not. It's not a crazy thing. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's not a crazy thing. Shouldn't you shouldn't feel don't like? Hey, Curtis is a Curtis, bully. Aaron is what I'm I saying. I saw Curtis <laughs> eating minor league quality cold pizza Look, at 11 a.m. the other day. No, it was disgusting. noon. It was past noon. It was during <laughs> the pregame. I mean, that's a good point. Thank you. That's yeah, that's a good that's a good uh, heat check right there, Curtis. It was it was in the pregame, so it was like 12:10. Yeah. All right. Well, but it was it was it was uh, impressive and repulsive nonetheless. <laughs> Look, with how long our commercial breaks are, I got to scarf it down as quickly as possible. Completely understandable. Aaron, I ask all of this uh, because the one thing that I think people would like to see more consistency with, if you were to feel even more confident about the Mariners as a wildcard team, would obviously be the offense. Uh, where does that have to come from over the last month here? Is there a player or two you're looking at? Yeah, I think that's kind of been. It's kind of been the whole season, right? I mean, the offense has had inconsistencies for for one reason or another all season long. And, I, you know, honestly, guys, I don't know how realistic it is after however many games it's been, you know, to say, okay, now for the last month it's going to be this, like, brand-new version of itself, and the Mariners are going to go out there and they're going to score four-and-a-half runs a game and have a completely different formula for winning – for the last month and change. I mean, could it happen? Yeah. I mean, literally anything can happen in baseball. I mean, it's truly, right? I mean, the Mariners could have the best offense in baseball for the last month. That could happen. Is it going to change dramatically? I mean, I don't think I'm being the bad guy to say, I don't think it will. Yeah. I mean, now, could Winker get hot, right? Uh, could France get back to form? Could Hanniger keep being Hanniger, right? Can Julio, who's been in a, a little couple of three-week slide by his standards, kind of get back to his his hot zone. Yeah, all those things can happen. And if all those things happen simultaneously, man, watch out, right? It's going to be a fun ride uh, offensively the rest of the way. But the Mariners have proven, as um, white knuckle as it has been, uh, even dating back to last year, the Mariners have proven that they have a formula that, you know, right now has them as a, I don't know what Fangraphs had recently, like a 96% chance of making the playoffs. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. Right? I mean, pretty good. Right now, the Mariners are, are right there uh, within a game, uh, half, less than that, of the, the top wildcard spot. So 
Uh, yes, we'd love to see more consistent offense. It could happen. But if it doesn't, you know, the Mariners still have a really good chance of making the playoffs the way that they've been structured and built and played this year. And every team has things that will drive you crazy, right? Oh, unless right. it's the Do- unless you're the Dodgers, every team, <laughs> every team is like, man, this again. And for the Mariners, it's hey, you just don't always know what the run production will be like. But fortunately for them, they've had, I mean, I'd say arguably, but I'd probably say like definitively, the best bullpen in baseball since June first. And yeah. a rotation that's just been cooking, it seems like, since May. So, you know, it's worked. It's worked. And, yeah, it might drive a little crazy time. But over the stretch, over the big sample, over the more than just a three-game series or four-game series, hey, it's worked. All right. Well said. He is Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith. Aaron, thanks so much. All right. Looking forward to five runs tonight, Stacy. Good job. <laughs> Thank thanks, you. Aaron. All right, you are listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 in the Seattle Sports app. JP is out of today's lineup. We'll ask Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer how he's doing. Plus, which starter is Shannon taking for the third spot in a playoff rotation? You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. All right, joining us now in the dugout, it is Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer, our conversation with Shannon Dreyer, powered by Pacific Lamp and Supply. Uh, Shannon, uh, first of all, um, how are you? How's Detroit? How's it going? (laughs) Detroit is good. It's never looked better. (laughs) Wonderful. Speaking of Detroit, I'm actually, I'm glad that we're on that subject. This is a really interesting note that we heard with Scott Service earlier, and it was brought up by Brent Stecker, who's an editor for SeattleSports.com. He said that the skip mentioned the one thing to know about Detroit is how big that park is, and he said Julio could have a lot of ground to cover in this series. Would you mind giving us um, just a bit of insight into maybe one challenge or so that this series brings? Well, yeah, there is. You can use more of the field here, so it kind of does play a little bit more like the Rockies Park and and at Coors Field, which you would hope that the Mariners could take advantage of, but they've just been doing some things weird offensively of late. You go back in this last series, and there was a game where all three runs scored via the home run and no other base runner reached base. They literally never had the opposing starter pitching out of the stretch or any of the relievers, which is just wacky. We know they've had their offensive problems, but this will be a good one to maybe try and use the park a little bit, maybe try and hit some of those gaps along those lines. But the history of that is this park used to actually even be bigger, and uh, they've, they've changed that since they built it, but still a very, very big outfield here in Detroit. I think Julio will be fine. I hope the Mariners kind of get those bats going and look to get healthy against that. And some pitching that won't be on the same level that they saw over the weekend. Shannon, more shuffling in this lineup. We got Adam Frazier at shortstop. Only two starts there. Any concerns with Frazier in that position? Well, I mean, yes, and that he hasn't played there a ton, but he has played there before. It's a you know position that he played as a youngster. He played it some in the minors, and it's only the second time that he's playing it in the majors this year. But that's where they're at right now, and I think that just shows how important Dylan Moore has been to this roster. It's the next man up when it comes to shortstop, and that happens to be Adam Frazier. So that is a move that they kind of have to go with right now. They have not placed JP on the IL. I talked to him about 20 minutes ago. He's hoping to avoid that. He says that he's, he's got a, a pec strain and the MRIs show no tear, and that's the good news there. But it's just going to be a matter of you know continuing to get that treatment and uh, seeing when he can go. 
Uh, if JP's placed on the IL, we're rounding into September. Uh, does that make that roster restriction uh, kind of tricky for the Mariners? Who might they have to call up, for instance, if JP were to go on the IL? Well, they called up Abraham Toro. Ah, uh, yes. And so he's up right now, and they placed him at second base, which allows Adam Frazier to uh, slide over to shortstop. But this, you know, without a doubt, is one of those areas where they are a little bit thin in the farm system. So you hope that you get JP back quickly. Shannon, were you as relieved as I was to see Franz get a single and then go yard? How do you feel about his uh, his potential this this series? I think that was good, and I was even more relieved in talking to him after the game and seeing that this is something that he felt that everything was right, that he kind of got back to where he needed to be. He's had, you know, it's been a rough month of August for him. It wasn't just this little streak that he was on. It's been the entire month, and there would be a game here or there where he would get a hit, and he still wouldn't talk to him afterwards, and you could tell that he still wasn't where he needed to be. And talking to him where after this game and seeing that he got all of that pitch and what he did with that pitch, uh, I think that, you know, by our eyes, you look at it and you feel better, but to hear it from him is completely different. His timing had been off. He had earlier in the day uh, taken out the velocity machine with a coach and cranked it up to 12 and as high as it could go and kind of went to work on that to try and get that timing back and just kind of to force him to react a little bit more. And it looks like uh, he at least feels that that was a big difference maker. Hey, Shannon, we've been having a debate uh, during the entirety of the dugout about which starter would you put in the third spot of a playoff run, Gilbert or Kirby. I'd imagine it's a debate that's going to continue for Mariners fans so long as this team remains in contention. Um, Both guys are going to be in this series against a Detroit offense that's really struggled. Uh, What do Mariners fans or should Mariners fans hope to see from both in terms of, hey, this is going to be a step forward for this guy. This is what this guy's got to work on. Well, you want Kirby just to continue what he's doing. It's been remarkable, and a remark even that more so, knowing where he is innings-wise. And so, you know, at some point, do you see any kind of pulling back to give him a little bit of a break, and maybe this is the place where they get that big lead, and they do uh, take him out? We've seen you know, Scott Service really go for it in every game that he's had uh, of late, in the month of August. And, if you know, if he can go to the best arm in the bullpen, he's going to the best arm in the bullpen. If he can keep a starter out there, he's keeping a starter out there. But uh, that, to me, I think the biggest question with Kirby right now is nothing more than innings. With Logan, we're starting to see him kind of turn a corner. He hasn't been bad by any means, but he hasn't been what he was in April. And uh, I think that his last two outings you feel a little bit better about. And so uh, along those lines, you want him to continue to take those steps forward. You'd like to see him use those breaking pitches a little bit more, have that confidence in those breaking pitches as well. And I think he'd probably like to see a little bit more swing in this when he is on the hill. So uh, you look for both. You know, they're going to need both in the postseason. Uh, you get into that second round, and I don't believe by the off days that they'll be able to go right back to their number one starter. I think they will have to start uh, starter number four in game one of the division series. So they need them both. All right. She is Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer joining us every single week for the dugout. Shannon, thanks so much and uh, have fun covering the series out in Detroit. I know you do like the city. I say that without any sarcasm. It's made me now more curious about it. I, I do like the city and I uh, recommend coming to a ball here in the downtown area. I would absolutely love to. All right, Shannon, we'll talk to you uh, probably uh, later next week. All right.
Shannon, Shannon hung up on me, hey, didn't she, she Curtis? Curtis, Curtis. Did, you, did Shannon just hang up on me? She said, I'm out of here. Wow. Oh, you don't like Detroit? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon's been in Detroit for a couple hours, and she was already like, bye, <laughs> talking about my city like that. God, Shannon, I didn't mean it. I just got hung up on, on radio. That hurts my feelings. No, we love Shannon. Uh, all right, you guys. This has been the dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Mariners pregame show starts at 3 p.m. today. First pitch at 410. But first, you're going to hear from Wyman and Bob. They're coming your way next.